Lecture topic: 30th Ramadan, Zohar. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusallihi ala Rasulihi al-Kareem. Amma ba'd. The time we have, we'll see what we can try and cover, inshallah. Some of the questions are related to some fiqhi aspects, so that inshallah we can email or find out later. We'll try to first cover up whatever is related to the Islamic side of things. The question here about the silsilas of bayat. What is this all about? So in the initiation of the bayat, this is mentioned that we are now entering into the silsila of the Chishtiya, the Naqshbandiya, Soharwardiya, Qadriya. So these silsilas can be very easily understood in the same way as the four mazahib of fiqh. So the four mazahibs of fiqh, these are all the four great imams who codified the masail in the light of the Quran and Sunnah. But in the light of their depth and understanding they in certain things that were not very explicit so they applied their ijtihad their reasoning which was in the based on the principles that are derived from the Quran and Sunnah and in that there have been some minor fiqhi ikhtilaf differences of view but at the end of the day it's all coming back to the same point. It's all derived from the Quran and Sunnah and the basis of this was right in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Nabi himself endorsed the validity of this ikhtilaf when it is on the basis of true knowledge and from such people who are qualified to be able to apply their reasoning in trying to derive the Masail. This is now gone into a different uh, topic, but nevertheless, this is something, just since it came up, in the time of Rasulullah there was one incident when Nabi came back from the battle of Ahzab and the battle of the trench. And when Nabi Salaam returned to Madinah Munawwara, Tibri Salaam came and said, No, we have to march now towards Bani Qurayza. This was the tribe of the Jews. And they had broken the treaty during this time. They had tried to plot against the Muslims by entertaining the Kuffar and the Mushrikeen and trying to help them. And they were actually conspiring any case, there's a lengthy detail in that. The point was that they broke the treaty and they were actually trying to harm the Muslims. Allah Ta'ala saved the Sahaba from that harm. But in any case, Nabi Salaam now gave the instruction. So now in order to emphasize that this is going to be something to be done in haste, Nabi Salaam gave the instruction that nobody should perform the Asar Salah except in Bani Qurayza. لا يسلين أحدكم صلاة العصر إلا فبتي بني قريزة So now everybody set out immediately. Some, now I, as they were on their way, 
the time of Asr was now very tight because they still had a distance to cover and the time of Asr it was becoming time was going to pass so some Sahaba stopped and they performed the Asr Salah in time and what they looked into the matter was that the whole purpose of giving us this instruction was that we should make haste we should not delay it didn't mean that even if the time is going to expire we must not make our Asar Salah we must only go and make it in Bani Qureza and there was another group of Sahaba and Rabbi Salaam had not yet because he was busy with some matters so he had dispatched the Sahaba immediately other groups said we will continue, we will reach Bani Qureza, we will perform our Asar in Bani Qureza even if the time is to expire. Now they got this instruction directly from Rasulullah One group read it in this manner and among them were obviously those Sahaba who were on the level of Ijtihad. They had that very deep knowledge, they were people who had the ability to derive these Masail so they read it in this manner that this was not meant in its literal sense this was meant to make haste but now that the time is now already going to expire soon so we will now stop and make our Asar Salah though we are not yet in Bani Khureza and the other group read it in the literal manner and they were Mujtahideen they were people on the level of Ijtihad having that expertise and that depth but now they came to different conclusions. Any case later on Rasulullah reached Bani Qureza. When he reached this whole matter was now brought to his attention. That these people this is what they did. And these people this is what they did. Now in the Hadith Sharif it is stated فَلَمْ يُعَنِّفْ وَاحِدًا مِّنْهُمَا Nabi Islam didn't rebuke either. Now the question would be that which one is right there? The fact that Nabi Islam didn't rebuke either, that is where the answer lies. That because it was based on a ruling at that time, in that moment, it had those who made the asar, they followed somebody, some sahabi of that caliber who gave the ruling. So they followed somebody who had that expertise. So that was in, their, in place for them. And likewise the other group. And if somebody just decides on his own, well I can also do this, and I can also start deducting the Masail for myself then he'll finish off somewhere else so this is based on somebody who has that ability, that expertise, that in-depth knowledge and so many details go along with that so like the four Mazaib of Fiqh there are some minor differences but it all stems from the same source and it is in the manner of reading the text and coming to a conclusion somebody went on a more literal reading of it, somebody went into the more deeper meaning of it, what it could have meant, this is a whole different discussion, but just for the purpose of comparison, so since this came up, so this was something important nevertheless to understand. So likewise, the silsilas of the Sawuf, these are at the, the names of the silsilas, we say Chishtiya, Naqshbandiya, Suharwardiya, Qadriya, so these are attributed to those personalities from whom these silsilas became famous. So now, 
خواجہ معین الدین چشتی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ فرام دے دس چشتی یا سلسلہ کومنسڈ ناؤ دس واز ناٹ سم تھنگ دیٹ ہی ڈیرائیوڈ آف ہز اون ہیز ایکسپلینیشن ود ان ٹیکن بائی ہز فالوورز اٹ جس ہیپن دیٹ اٹ گوٹ کوڈیفائڈ ان دیٹ مینر لائک دا فور مذہبز آف فکھ دیز آر ناٹ دی اونلی مذہبز دیو مینی مور دیو مینی مور مجتہدین ہو ہیڈ ڈیرائیو دا مسائل دے ہیڈ سم people that were taking the rulings of them but this was Allah Ta'ala's nizam and system that only four continued through the passage of time the rest after a while the followers also finished off nobody continued with it but these four mazahib Allah Ta'ala blessed these imams with such students that they codified in huge volumes all the masail Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullahi he had a shura of fuqaha of jurists 40 jurists and they would sit and discuss their masail in detail they would debate the points and after great amount of analysis debate discussion and then when imam bohani farhamtullahi had heard it all discussed it in detail and now he came to a conclusion that this is really the correct that became known as the hanafi mazhab but it was after this whole discussion of all these experts and having debated the matter that what really this means in the light of all the various ahadith the Quran Sharif obviously starting off with that so likewise these personalities there were others also of a very high caliber Allah Ta'ala will that they, their silsila and their method of teaching became preserved so that is now our mashayikh alhamdulillah our silsila goes up to Hadi Imdadullah Muhajir Makki Rahmatullahi in the recent past meaning and from him up, up he had the ijazat from mashayikh of all the four silsilas from different mashayikh who were of the different silsilas so therefore this is the barakat of his tariq and his silsila that though the teaching that he imparted was as per the chishtiya silsila and that is the line that has come down but the bay'at he had the ijazat in all four silsilas so he would when he would initiate somebody in bay'at or give ijazat to somebody appoint somebody as his khalifa he would give him ijazat in all the four silsilas so that is what has come down so this is a very brief background of what these silsilas are it's nothing apart from to be understood very very similar to how we understand the four mazhabs of fiqh the Hanafi, Shafi'i, Maliki, Hanbali, Mazhab this is a very similar thing to understand but it is not something that each one now made his own thing up they all derived it from the same source but in reading the text some little difference of views about certain aspects in the Chishtiya Silsila there is for example Zikr al-Jahri which this is found to be a very very important and very beneficial aspect In the Naqshbandiya Silsila, there is no Zikr-e-Jahri. There is more emphasis on the Muraqabas only. And in the Chishtiya Silsila, there is both. Hajim Dadullah, Mahajim Bakki, Rahmatullahi, he had this ijazat in all the four Silsilas. He sort of uh, compared all the four in the various matters. And like for example in this matter, 
after having discussed it in detail, what are the reasons for having said that, for example, there should be some zikr made aloud, and the silsila that teaches that no, there shouldn't be jahari zikr, it should be sirri, only silently from the heart. And so he analyzed the whole thing. His own conclusion was that the jahari zikr, there is validity for it and need for it as well. And there is great benefit in it. The simple example is this fan that is now moving. So this fan, what is it doing? It's not bringing anything else from outside. It's merely circulating the air that is in the, in the room, in the masjid. His analysis was that the zikr jahari has the similar effect in stirring the heart, in getting into action, stirring the heart into becoming more conscious of Allah Ta'ala. Now, this is another whole topic and subject. These are people who had this knowledge and insight. The point for us is, like we follow the mazaib of fiqh, we take the direction from the expert and we carry on. So likewise, here it has all been done for us. All we have to do is now follow it. So, this is a very, very brief explanation of what this means. Otherwise, there is nothing, anything different about it. All the silsilas in essence are teaching the same thing. There is no difference in that. The main things are all the same. The minor things in terms of the methodology of certain aspects, that might differ from one to the other. Otherwise, all are teaching the same thing. Somebody has asked about the Muraqabas, if it could be explained again. Indeed, this is a very, very essential thing, very important thing, so this revision will inshallah be beneficial for me, for all of us. One is Muraqaba of Moth. The Muraqaba of Moth, the method of it we have discussed. One is Imam Ghazali, what he has stated, that is one method. None of these things are completely sort of fixed because it's a, it's a methodology. It's a manner of how a person applies his mind. It's got nothing to do with a particular mas'ala. Provided he is, how he's applying his mind into something doesn't go out of the line of the broad principles of Sharia. So Imam Ghazali, his explanation or his, his prescription of muraqab of moth was to surround and meditate and think about people who have passed away. That they were previously with us and somebody was, mashallah, doing so many things, somebody was flying high, somebody was such a bubbly person, somebody was always the life of the gathering, but now suddenly the person is gone. All that has stopped where it was, all somebody's whatever things he was involved in, everything came to a standstill and all that life of the gatherings as they called it, but that's all gone silent. Now to think of all this, that, that person was around, he's no more around and now what is his condition? He's been laid in the qabr, what becomes the condition in the qabr? So this was Imam Ghazali's prescription to think about all these phases of those who have passed already. Think about the way here, and how they were conducting themselves, now where they are, likewise is going to be our situation. We are here today, we have no guarantee of tonight, forget tomorrow. So now, before our time comes, we need to prepare, we need to make amends. 
The other way the Mashaikh generally prescribe this muraqabah of maut is to meditate upon one's own death. That this has come, my time has come now. I am about to depart from this dunya. And at that time, what would come through the mind and heart? What I wish I would have done, I would have sorted this out, sorted that out. I still got so many qaza left, I wish I would have completed that. I wish I would have asked that person for forgiveness, I hurt him. That person thinks I have taken something wrongfully. I wish I hadn't done that or returned it by now. All these kind of thoughts will come in the mind. And likewise we can go deeper into this. Allah forbid, there were still things that were now, the, the traces of the haram were still lying around somewhere. On the phone, somewhere hidden in some cupboard, somewhere else. All that is going to get uncovered now. We are not going to be around and everything is going to be now uncovered. Everything is going to be opened out. Now we'll be wishing, I wish I had deleted this and had destroyed that. So that is to be done now. Now this is the purpose of this muraqaba. Now if you want to think in this manner, hopefully it will jolt one. That I must make toba now. I must make toba. I cannot afford to continue in this way. If moth comes suddenly, I'll be taking all this and going to the cover. The burden of all the sin. I can't afford that. So now this is the whole purpose, that this must become a means of jolting one towards Toba. So in any case now thinking of all that, then thinking about the actual death. My death is actually now coming and it has come. So what scene might be around one at that time, can visualize that. Then visualize one being given ghusl. One is now lifeless in the hands of others, being turned and tossed around as they wish. And now the Janazah Salah is being performed on us. Now we're being lowered into that cover and we can feel the hardness of that ground under us. That cold ground is now, we can be felt. Once one person passed away, so now his little grandchild. So the grandchild also came to the Qabristan with his father now. The grandfather passed away, so now the grandchild came with his father to the Qabristan. He was about three years old. Now he's looking into the cover, he was standing alongside, he's looking into the cover and seeing now where they put his... He's not yet fully registering what death is all about. He's seen something, but now he is not yet understanding what this is all about. So now he can see they're putting his grandfather inside the grave. And he's observing this, there's nothing there, there's bare ground, and he's been put into the bare ground, and now they're beginning to put these planks, so now he's asking his father, but would Dada be okay here? And then, but where he's going to sleep? And now they're putting these planks now, how he's going to... He's asking the questions of a child who's observed something. And now the father is trying to just keep him quiet now because he's talking, a child is a child, something comes in his mind, he will talk. And who's around, what's going on? Now he's talking in a voice that others can hear him as well. The father is trying to quiet, but that's, that was a very big ibrad. Very, very big ibrad. That that child now is worried about his grandfather because now he's seeing now they laid his grandfather down in the grave and there's no bed there, there's no mattress there, it's a cold floor and now they're closing him up. So how he's going to manage here? That is a different world. How will this child understand that now? But that's the point that we need to, this is the purpose of this muraqaba, that one day I'm going to be laid like this. Have I prepared myself in a way that after I'm laid on that cold floor, 
the bidding of Jannah will be brought for me. Now that's the question. Oh Allah forbid, what might become the condition? Allah Ta'ala save us, that it become the bidding of the fire of Jahannam. Now, these are the things that are meant to be brought to heart and mind. And the purpose of it is that now when a person is doing this regularly, it will jolt one to now start preparing to make Tawbah, not to get involved in vices and sin, because moth can come anytime. Now there's that consciousness. I want to go somewhere, but this is not a place to go to. What if my moth comes there? Otherwise what Shaitan does, definitely you're also going to die one day. But not now. You still got maybe, you, what's your age now? You're still in your 20s. You still got another maybe 50 years left. So Shaitan, nobody will say it in those words. Nobody will bring it on their tongue. I think I got another 50 years. But that's the way Shaitan then conditions the mind. To think, well, if he's not 50 years too, but he's definitely not now. I still can, I can't feel anything yet. That moth is going to come to me anytime soon. I still got time. That's the deception Shaitan puts us in. Now when there isn't this remembrance of death, then a person just gets trapped in that. And as a result, he gets carried away into those temptations. So the purpose of muraqabah of moth, <coughs> one is to make toba. This will jolt us inshallah to make toba. And this will become a barrier from sin. Because now death is staring in the eye all the time. And if a person was sure that he's got 10 minutes left, forget 10 minutes, he's got 10 days left. And forget 10 days, if it was certain. One is sometimes, doctors make some statements, this person probably got 2 months to live, that is not the right thing to do at all. In fact, wrong to say something of that nature. Life and death is in the hands of Allah Ta'ala. And no matter how ill somebody might be, Nabi Islam has taught us, give him hope. Because if you are going to give him hope, that's not going to extend his life, but it makes the heart of a mu'min happy. And it gives him some himmat, some courage. So whatever time is still left, he'll be in a better spirit. But now, he might have a long time still left, but you already crushed him now. And many such people, who were given two months and three months and few weeks by the doctor, they outlived the doctor far long after him. They were still around. The doctor went away, they were still around. So the doctor gave somebody else three months, he went away in three days, and that person still lived three years later. There is many, many incidents like this. So the point is that that is not something to do, it's wrong. Yes, at the most it may be said that, look, medically speaking, we can't do anything. We've done what we could. It's in the hands of Allah Ta'ala. Full stop. Allah Ta'ala will, that person might fully recover. And this has happened. There have been instances like this. The people, the medical professionals were all baffled, completely baffled how this happened, how it happened. Allah's Qudrat it happened. Everything is Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. So the point is, what we were talking about is that one is that it be, now if a person knew for sure, he knew with certainty, I have only 10 months to live. Somehow this became a certain knowledge to him. And let alone certain knowledge, even if it was doubtful knowledge, but somebody said, it seems you got 10 years. The person now is 10, 10 months, some very senior person, pious person, and Somebody asked him that, you know what, make dua, I got, you know, a long life. 
So he showed his ten fingers only. Now he's trying to read into this. Now what does ten fingers mean? So now, he said, maybe it means ten days. No, no, okay, ten days passed. So possibly ten months now. So now that ten months, the clock is ticking. You'll see the person just turning into a different person. Whereas he's got ten months in his own estimation. Whereas the ten months could be well off the mark, he might have got another ten minutes left. But nevertheless, he has given himself ten months. So now because it's just ten months, he is sure it's ten months in his mind. He conducts himself very differently now. Now, every moment he is conscious of it is gone, another day is gone. What happened? This realization that I have limited time. Whereas all of us got limited time. Say when every person who comes into this dunya, he comes along with a death sentence. Every person comes along with a death sentence. That he is sentenced to death. He is going to pass away one day. Just that when it will happen, no idea. One person went to Pakistan, Jamaat, an alim. So he had been in one area, so they took him to go and visit the prison. So he was giving his karguzari. So now the prison has different sections. So now one section, then other section. Finally he came to the one section, which was the death row. And they were individual cells. And on each cell door, there was some tag or some, some notice, whatever. On it was a date written. So this person was earmarked. On the 10th of May, he's going to be executed. And this person on the 15th of June, he's going to be executed. Whatever dates now. Individual cells. And there's a date on that door. Now there's a little window there, you can see the person inside. He says, past all the other sections, some sections you pass there, those prisoners are even having a merry time too. They were laughing and joking. He says, but we came to this section, this was a very different scene. There was like complete silence to start off with. Every person had a different look on his face. And it was like, a chilling feeling. Seeing each person was like a chilling feeling. <coughs> now why? Because there's a date there. This is a date of being executed. It is highly possible that some passed away before that date came. It's possible. Allah knows. Allah alam. There was no mention of that. But I'm just mentioning this. That is highly possible. Sometimes for whatever reason, somebody's date of execution is six months later. But the person's time of death is three months time. But now because Insan has written this date now. So now that became overwhelming on the mind. Now the whole scene changed. The heart changed. The mind changed. The whole conduct changed. The person's entire life changed. And now this was in a Muslim country. He says many of them, they were in deep ibadat. Now the person was there because of some crime. He had committed some murder, he did something. But now suddenly when there was a date on the door, his whole life changed. But now it changed inside. Allah knows best what happened after that. But that was a lesson, very very big lesson. That our date is also there, just we don't know when. This date was written by Insan. But it could have happened that something else happened. Sometimes that date comes and it gets delayed too. Something or other happens, you get delayed. And sometimes the person is gone before that date came to. 
our date is also fixed. We have no idea when and how often we have heard of people in the bloom of their youth, with all the health and vigor and whatever else, and then suddenly out of the blue the person is gone. Something happened and the person is gone. So that is the purpose of this muraqabah of moth, to embed this consciousness deep in the heart. To the extent that whenever there is a temptation towards some sin, this comes strongly to mind and strongly to heart. But what if my moth comes in this? And that's a reality. We mentioned this many times before, merely for Ibrad, not to look down upon anyone. We don't know what's the outcome of somebody. But nevertheless, the Ibrad is something to be taken. Once one person was looking very, very sitting in the corner of the masjid and looking very down and dejected. So another person who knew him saw him odd time this person is sitting here and something is definitely wrong. So now he knew him well, so he approached him, Salaam how's everything? Seems like something is a problem, what's the problem? Can I do something to help you? So that person was involved in the burial work. So when there's a janazah, he would get a call also, he would have to now go and fetch the body from wherever the person had passed away. So, first he said, what do I tell you? He said, I received a call today and had to go and fetch a body from the bed of Zina, from one rice den, from a place of evil and filth. I had to go and pick up a body from that bed. Now this is the Ibrad, the death that will come at its appointed time. We have to meet Allah Ta'ala in a way that we are in a place of ibadat, or we are in a good place, we are in a good condition, then we will have to stay away from going to places of sin and vice, from getting ourselves involved in all these kind of things. Insan is insan, we can slip somewhere, but that's why we need to strengthen this muraqab of moth, so that it becomes a barrier when that temptation comes, when those friends are calling, when whatever other things become a distraction, so this will become a very big help. And this is the need for this muraqabah of moth. The other was the muraqabah of ma'iyyad. Ma'iyyad alam ya'alam bi Allah yara. Similar to the purpose of muraqabah of moth, this is the essence of everything. The essence of everything is the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. This is the essence of everything. When a person is conscious of Allah Ta'ala, then that will dictate his every step, every move. So Allah is watching, Allah is aware. So where he looks, what he speaks, what he stretches his hand out towards, what he, where he goes, how he does things, how he speaks to people, whatever other aspect of life will all be governed and dictated by this consciousness. That will by Allah be pleased with this. Allah is watching. Allah is aware. So now this ayat is repeated over and over again. And that muraqabah is made. To bring this consciousness alive. Alam ya'alam bi anna Allah yara. Alam ya'alam bi anna Allah. Very very deeply. And likewise. The muraqabah of ma'iyyat in the manner of Allahu ma'i. Allahu ma'i. Which is the crux of the ayat. Wa huwa ma'akum aynama kuntum. Allah is with, but as explained when we discuss this muraqabah, we, will, we are not 
to ever get into trying to understand the being of Allah Ta'ala. We will recognize Allah Ta'ala through His sifat, through His attributes, Allah Ta'ala's qudrat. So we can see the manifestation of Allah Ta'ala's qudrat in every direction. And likewise the other attributes of Allah Ta'ala, through this we will recognize the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. The being of Allah Ta'ala is beyond our comprehension. So you will never try to apply our mind in this regard at all. That is beyond any comprehension. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Allah Ta'ala says there is no likeness unto him. Now a person understands things by comparisons. He has never seen something before. So now somebody explains to him by means of a comparison. Allah has no comparison, no likeness. There is no way that anybody can try to comprehend the being of Allah Ta'ala. That the believers will be blessed in Jannat to see Allah Ta'ala. How that will happen? That will happen in Jannat, we'll see it there inshallah, Allah Ta'ala take us. But for now, we will make the muraqaba without getting into any explanation in our mind about the being of Allah Ta'ala. Allah is as He is and as behoves of Him. So, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كُنْتُمْ Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran Sharif, that is the crux in these words, Allahu ma'i, Allahu ma'i, Allah is with me, Allahu hadiri, Allahu nadiri, Allahu ma'i. These things sound very straightforward, very simple, very by the way, but many, many things which look very, very ineffective in its outer shape and size and form, but inside is so potent that it is far more potent than Allah knows best what not. Likewise, these things seem very, very ordinary. They seem very ordinary, very, very simple. Can this have such great effect? Yes. Provided it's done correctly, it's done deeply, it's done with consistency. That is the key factor, the consistency. So this should be something that is the reminder. In fact, somebody has asked something about can a little... uh, sort of checklist be made for that reminder that was discussed, having that reminder in our pocket. Inshallah, we'll try and do this right now. It might not be uh, something possible now. But uh, Hafsab has got a website where things are put out. So those who need to, you can take that website address. Inshallah, once this is prepared, it will be put out on that. Or there's a the notification list for the program notification. Inshallah, it will be sent out on that. So if you have not put your name onto that list, you can put it on. And inshallah, when this is uh, prepared, it will be forwarded on that notification list. So you'll receive it in that manner. So inshallah, we'll try and work on that. The checklist that these things are done. Very simple, nevertheless, we'll try and prepare one checklist for that. So the second was the muraqaba of ma'iyad. And the third was muraqaba of shukr. Muraqaba of shukr to develop this Shukr of Allah Ta'ala very deeply in the heart. And this is the antidote to so many things. That feelings of depression and whatever else. Dunya is dunya. Dunya is a place of challenges. Everybody's challenges are not the same. But everybody got some challenge or the other. And as much as we might think that our challenges are very great. There's not thousands. There's not millions. There's perhaps billions that are in a more difficult condition than us. Billions of people. If we think about it a little, when a person now, see he's in the elite group, see he's in the elite, 
Subhanallah, he's now flying high. So now if you think about it to start off with, out of the 7 billion people in the world, out of these 7 billion, just over a billion or so Muslims, one and a half billion Muslims. So now that has put us already in about the top 20% because the greatest wealth is Iman. The greatest wealth is Iman, already we better than 80%. Now from that one and a half billion, Allah forbid, there's a weakness of Iman, perhaps more than 85 to 90% are not making their five times Salah on time. In case of males, Salah with Jama'ah, or females, Salah on time. Now if Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with that tawfiq, this is not just something that's happening, Allah Ta'ala's gift. So now from that 20% almost, in fact less than 20% that is, but from that now we've come to the 10% elite. So now from the 20%, now this brings you from that whole figure of that whole 7 billion, it probably brings you down into the 5%. Because out of this 20%, you are in the elite 10%, 90% on the other side. So it already brings one down into the 5%. Then out of those who are in this 5%, mashallah, have Iman, they have some consciousness of Deen, they're performing their Salah, they're making some Amal. This is now narrowed down, this, this 10% of people performing the 5 times daily Salah too is a very generous and a very uh, generous figure, very liberal estimate, otherwise the estimate is probably in reality much more smaller. But in any case, now this has already brought a person to 5% of the top 5, we can call it top 5%. Then in this top 5%, if you think about what goes on around the world, mashallah, there are people who are at a very high level of piety, etc. But in terms of their, their dunya side of things, they are in real difficulties. Many don't have a roof over their heads. Many don't know where their next meal, whether they're going to have something to eat or whether they're going to go to bed hungry. How many people in the world like this? Now we have, Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with a roof over our heads. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with so many countless ni'mats in terms of the material things that we have as well. We have never had Allah Ta'ala's fazal that we had to worry about that will I have something to eat tonight or I might go to bed hungry. Can we imagine the situation of those who don't know whether they'll have another meal for the day? Now if we put this into the equation now, we've probably come already into the top 2%. The top 2% of 7.5 billion people. And now out of this, being in the top 2%, now this is the elite of the elite. Because it all starts off with Iman. So now when a person has been put into the bracket of the top 2% because a person can have billions in terms of monetary wealth but he doesn't have Iman what he has so that doesn't make a person anywhere it starts off with the gift of Iman so now if a person ponders over this that what Allah has blessed me with so now how much shukar this demands one is every human being regardless of what his position is he too is being showered with countless blessings. Now this is over and above that. What others have, far beyond that. The ni'mat of Iman, then the ni'mat of Quran. Allah Ta'ala bless somebody with Quran. Subhanallah. 
What can anything compare to this ni'mat? Now, how much shukr is required for this? This puts one in the top 0.5% then. <coughs> now, the point is to absorb this reality in the heart. It's there, it's a reality. Now, when a person really feels this, that happiness will bubble over, despite the challenges. And now, this is what shukr is all about. That when the, now, the one aspect of the shukr is, that it makes one very, very conscious of Allah Ta'ala's ni'mats. And now everything is being highlighted, this Allah Ta'ala's ni'mats. So now the, the method of the muraqabah of shukr, for example now, you start off on one, in one particular sitting, all the ni'mats related to iman, iman itself and things related to iman. So alhamdulillah ala ni'matil iman. Now he's taking one, one thing at a time and expressing shukr to Allah Ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. Ya Allah, you bless me with Iman. Alhamdulillah, Ya Allah, you bless me with the Qur'an Sharif. If a person is not a Hafiz of the Qur'an Sharif, but is able to look into the Qur'an Sharif and decide, that too is such a great favor and bounty. That he is able to recite Kalamullah. He is able to speak to Allah Ta'ala through the recitation of his Kalam. This too, all the gold and diamond mines of the world, one side, and this Ni'mad, this far outweighs all the material things of the dunya. So Alhamdulillah ala ala ni'matil Qur'an. And likewise now, Allah Ta'ala bless somebody with a tawfiq, mashallah is making his salah. Allah, this is your tawfiq, Alhamdulillah. You've allowed me to, enable me to perform my five times daily salah. Allah, Alhamdulillah, you give me the tawfiq of making zikr. Like this one one thing, now when he is making shukr in this manner, he'll become more conscious of this ni'mat of iman more conscious of all these ni'mas. Then he's sitting on another sitting now and making shukar for all the physical ni'mas. Ya Allah, I'm not blind. I can see, alhamdulillah, this is your gift, your bounty. Ya Allah, I can hear, this is your gift, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. The speech, ya Allah, this is purely your gift, alhamdulillah. On each thing he is deeply from the bottom of his heart expressing shukar, alhamdulillah. Now one time, two times, one day, two days, ten days, twenty days, and deeply he's making the shukar for the ni'mat of the sight, the ni'mat of hearing, the ni'mat of the heart. Allah, this heart is purely your gift and ni'mat. Now when shaitan is going to attempt to misuse this eye, but the shukar has been developed very greatly, so this is now a very great ingratitude that a person uses the gift of the benefactor against him. One person, he, okay, the example doesn't fit exactly, but just something just came to mind. One person, uh, he had some, well, some family was now probably living close by or whatever, so this one young person there, so as a child, this person bought him a bicycle. He bought him a bicycle as a gift. He was growing up and then he did many things for him. So in any case now this youngster grew up and now then they moved away somewhere, lost contact for a long time. But now because there was this close uh, relationship, so they were... So after long, one day this person came. The same youngster, he came, met this person out of the blue. So now obviously it brought back all the old memories and old times, mashallah, where you are. So after 
reminiscing about the past and whatever else. Now this youngster says, but you know, I've got this urgent situation. I you know, just need to borrow this amount of money, this 5,000 rands, and end of the week I'll come with it. Now because of this old relationship and whatnot, actually the person's relationship was with the father. Now he was meeting was with the son. And now in the process he's telling the son about this too. That you know me and your father we go to you know, so far back and the first bicycle I had, your father bought me that bicycle too. So now in any case all these things he mentioned to him. Then now eventually he asked for that loan. So this person lent him the money. Now he lent him the money, he was going to bring it five days time. Five months later he's still waiting for it. So now he ended up someday, somebody asked him something, he said, well, that fellow said that my father gave him the bicycle but he took me for a ride. <laughs> so he's gone with it. Now he's feeling hurt about it. I did a favor to this person. But now I came alone. He's supposed to return it. But now he's telling me his father gave, my father gave him the bicycle. But he took me for a ride. But the point is that anybody forget something very big in value. Even a small, small little gift we give somebody. And we see that person misusing it, abusing it. So he feels very uncomfortable, hurt, feels disturbed, feels this person doesn't deserve this. Now that's the point. That when a person will develop this reality of shukr, he will not be able to misuse the favors of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala gave it to me. Allah is watching. And now I want to misuse this favor. So this is one very, very great benefit of this muraqaba of shukr. And the other thing, that it keeps a person focused on the countless na'mats Allah has blessed him with. Otherwise he'll start looking at what things others seem to have which he doesn't have. And now he'll focus on what others have. He forgot about the countless things he has. This is the prescription for misery. This is the prescription for misery. Because he saw one person with something which now he doesn't have. So he did something to try and get it also. So he got it. But then he will see somebody else with something he doesn't have to. And then some other person as well. This will never finish off. And that contentment is not there. This will be an ongoing chakkar that will be in. This is the prescription for misery. So one is the shukar deeply. The, on one occasion all the ni'mat of iman. The ni'mat of iman and all the ni'mat related to it. The physical ni'mats. The home Allah is blessed. The family Allah is blessed him with. All one one thing at a time. The important part of it is that one aspect at a time and expressing shukar on it deeply from the heart. Now in that amount of time, the two minutes, three minutes, whatever will come to mind. But deeply from the heart on each aspect saying Alhamdulillah, feeling it come from the depth of the heart. So these are the three muraqabas, muraqabah of maut, ma'iyad and shukar. And when done consistently, over time, we will see the very great benefit of this. This is what develops in time, that nisbat, and creates that platform for that ihsan. It conditions the heart, that the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala comes alive. So these are extremely important aspects. We should try to keep up with this regularly. There's one question here. That what is, please explain jah and bah, and how to get rid of them. So these are two things that are discussed, two
two maladies. These are actually the root issues. One is what is termed as jah. This is related to the ego. So there are numerous sins that stem out of this ego. Pride, malice, and like there's many other sins that stem out of the ego. This crave for position, crave for fame and name. So all these things like Riya, etc. all stem out of the ego. Because now he wants somebody's attention, wants people to think good of him, think great of him, people must be impressed by him. And like this, so now all this now comes out of that. And many other things now stem out of the same ego, looking down upon others, all this stems out of the ego. So this is Jah. And the other is Bah, the sins related to lust. So all the things that are related to lust, one is what we understand to be lust and together with that are things like a person gets involved in stealing, in uh, other, these are lusts of a type as well, lust for the wealth of the world, the greed, greed stems out of this lust. So now some things are related to the ego and some things are related to lust. And these are the two root issues. So the thing is that the mujahada is the way that whatever is going to be overcome will happen with the fazal of Allah Ta'ala. The means Allah has made in dunya is the mujahada. وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُولَنَا Those who will strive, who will make that mujahada, Allah Ta'ala says we will open the way for them. We will guide them. We will open the pathways of hidayat for them. So this mujahada is inevitable. This is essential. But how it becomes easy to undertake the mujahada, for that Allah Ta'ala has prescribed, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullah, taqwa encompasses the treatment of all this. A person who has truly acquired taqwa, the true taqwa comes when he has brought all this under control. The issues related to Jah and Bah, he's brought it under control. So then Taqwa has come. And when Taqwa has come, then he's achieved his objective. So Allah Ta'ala is giving us that command, that adopt this Taqwa. And the prescription, Kunu Ma'as Sadiqeen. Be in the company of the truthful, of the righteous. So now a person needs to, where he has his, finds his compatibility, his munasabat. This is an extremely important aspect in taking somebody as a guide, in taking somebody as a sheikh, as a spiritual mentor, that there must be munasabat. What is munasabat all about? This is a compatibility. There might be somebody very, very capable, very uh, experienced, somebody on a very high level and an expert in the field. But sometimes it's one's own deficiency that he doesn't find that munasabat, that compatibility. He's unable to easily communicate with the person. He doesn't find his heart sort of comfortable for whatever his own deficiency is. So nothing to do with the other side. It is his own deficiency. So now despite the lack of munasabat, if he's going to force himself into 
trying to take advice from the person, this lack of munasabat will keep creating doubts in his mind. This will be stemming out of his own lack of munasabat. But he will then start attributing this doubts to some deficiency on the other side. This can become extremely detrimental for him, can become destructive. So the purpose is Islam. Now, there is sometimes one doctor who is very highly placed, but a person has his family doctor, he says, no, this is where I go. Forget family doctor, some people have their pharmacist, they give the pharmacist preference over the doctor also. Anything they'll ask the pharmacist, they say, no, this person knows better than a doctor also. So now, come what may, he is munasabat in that line has come with that pharmacist. So he takes his advice from there, he finds his heart open to taking whatever this person tells him, and that medication which the doctor prescribed, he still, he wants the pharmacist to endorse it. That took you, you are okay with this. If the pharmacist says, no, this is fine, then he's happy. So now, if he, for whatever he, whereas that doctor is a doctor, the pharmacist is a pharmacist, that doctor has studied further, but his munasabat is here. So now the same thing applies as a, just as a general example, that the munasabat is something sometimes not in a person's control, because the heart is the heart. Rahmatullah used to give the example of the blood group. So now, blood is blood, but there are different blood groups. The blood does the same job. It carries off the oxygen to all the parts of the body and whatever the whole process of that whole circulation of blood is. So anybody's blood does the same job. But if the blood group doesn't meet, now one person's blood is A type or whatever it is, and somebody else is the B group. And now this person suddenly needed blood, and now he is the A type and they put the B group blood into him. That can become fatal. Must match the blood group. So now this is an example of the Munasabat. Sometimes beyond a person, it's his tabiyat. It's just his tabiyat now. The tabiyat is not meeting. Now the tabiyat is not meeting and he's forcing himself into the situation. He's like forcing the wrong blood group. So now that person might be very, very healthy, fit. He might be a wrestler of the world order. But if his blood group is different, that's not going to be healthy for us. So he is strong in his rights. But we are too weak to take it. So in any case, this is the point of munasabat. One must check his munasabat. So having ascertained one's munasabat, then one should link himself to who he feels he has the compatibility with. Somebody who has been given that uh, permission by his seniors to now guide people along. And this is the way all these things are treated. Self-treatment, like it doesn't work in the medical side of things, for the physical self, Likewise, self-treatment, the experience, general experience is self-treatment, a person cannot remedy his, his ailments with self-treatment. The odd thing, one small little issue here and there, fine, he heard some bayan, he, he read some kitab, and some advice was there, he implemented that advice, and mashallah, he got past it. But the deeper things, he might not even realize sometimes what it is. He might take it to be one thing, meanwhile it's something else. He might take something to be, for example, that uh, this is miserliness. Now somebody has asked,
for him to contribute. So now he's thinking, no, no, I don't think I can manage this now. Or just to take the example differently, like now sometimes the person now has been asked to contribute for some cause. The person now nicely, kindly declined. So that's his prerogative. If he wants to contribute to it, he'll contribute. Mashallah, he'll get the reward. If not, it's not Faruz or Wajib that he can be pressurized to do it and he should never be pressurized to do it. Pressurizing somebody to contribute to some good cause as well is really extortion. And there'll be no barakat in that. So any case, that was his right. So he didn't, he did not contribute. Another person was approached and he wholeheartedly just gave a big amount. Now on the surface, it seems that this person, mashallah, is very generous and this person is miserly. But now when somebody got beneath the surface, why did this person decline? Because he was in debt. And now the priority was to pay his debts. Now the debts are overdue. One is they are running date debts that people have, but there's still time and there's a uh, arrangement that he will pay so much every month, so he's paying. So now in the interim he's got some opportunity to give some sadaqah as well, he's got some opportunity to contribute to some good cause, to contribute, fine, because there's an arrangement that is not overdue. But now there's overdue debts, he has some money, the person is waiting for his loan to be paid off, and now he's giving sadaqah. The priority now is to pay this loan off, because it's overdue. So now he was seeming to be miserly. He was seeming to be miserly. Whereas the reality is that he could be far more generous than the other person. But he understood his priority. And the other person, the other person too was in a similar situation. He's got a lot of debt, all overdue. And now he had this amount of money and he said, well now, you know, the opportunity, sadaqah, he gave it all away. And now meanwhile the creditors are waiting for their money and they are making lanat on him. That now one year is gone, he still hasn't paid. Why he didn't pay? Because he's giving sadaqah. So now he's seeming to be very generous, but he is really, this is something else behind it. Either he is misguided, or sometimes it's some name and fame that is now the underlying factor, or whatever it might be. So now something on the surface seemed one thing, beneath the surface it was totally different. So now this was a comparison between two people. Likewise, sometimes within ourselves, we are thinking something to be one aspect, whereas in reality it is something else. We are thinking something is part of pride. So now we are getting worried about it. Whereas in reality, it may not necessarily be pride. It might sometimes just be something that is related to a tabiyat of a person. Now there's examples of this. No time to go into the examples, just the principle. And sometimes he could be thinking that this is actually making, this is something to be dealing with humility. What, I, what I'm thinking I'm going to do now, this is related to being humble. Whereas in reality, that could be an aspect of pride. Now these things sometimes are very, very glaring, very easy to understand, and sometimes very subtle, very deep. Sometimes it person cannot work out the priorities. Should I do this or that? And now he's giving priority to something based on whatever his mind is telling him, whereas the priority at that time is something else. 
So now when a person has somebody to refer to, now he'll inshallah be safe from all these pitfalls of making decisions which might sometimes lead him in a direction that is wrong because he's self-treating himself. So the real treatment is to link up to somebody who is a doctor, somebody who will be able to help us, who will treat the problem for us by guiding us and advising us of how to go about it. And often these things are treated through day-to-day occurrences. Now a person, something happened, and what happened now, how he dealt with the matter, how he reacted. Now that is what he will relate. Now this is what I did. And in that will be detected that what was done, where it stemmed from. That this reaction now, he says, no, but I needed to, you know, I mean, this person needed to be taught a lesson. He says, no, 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 you don't need to teach anybody a lesson. The thing is, you need to learn the lesson first. The lesson is that this stems from your pride. Because this person did this to somebody else also in your presence previously, you didn't teach him a lesson. That time you didn't think that he needed to learn a lesson. You knew that he did this to so many others, you didn't go to teach him a lesson. Only when it came to you now, you decided to now also talk to him in the same vulgarity. So now this wasn't to do with anything to teach a lesson. To teach a lesson is very good, but your motivation wasn't that. That's just a cover-up for yourself. The reality is your motivation was you vented your anger, your pride. Now there's a different matter of what is permissible, how much revenge you can take. But the thing is, in that particular instance, what was the underlying factor? Now in day-to-day occurrences, a person will relate anything major obviously, every small little thing, one small little argument he had with his wife now, so now he wants to analyze that small little, then there will be no time for anything else, because this will be a daily story then. But now there was some complaint about the, he complained about the salt was less, and then there was a, a reaction, then you rather put some sugar in, and now every small little salt and sugar story he's going to take along, so then this will become one kachumar after that. So the thing is that any major instance, anything that out of the ordinary, something out of the norm has happened, now this is what he will discuss, something before he does something, he'll discuss something big, something has happened already, so he'll discuss it, it will help him to understand perhaps where he went wrong. Or if he was right, well and good, but how he should have handled it better. There must have been a better way of doing it, though he wasn't wrong. So now, this is where this communication helps to treat all these ailments. Whether it is related to Jah, and whether it is related to Ba. And among these two, the more dangerous one is the Hubbul Jah. In Arabic, this Hubbul Jah, Hub, Hub means the love, love of the ego. There's another word in Arabic, instead of Ha, it comes with the Jim, Jub. Fi ghayabatil Jub. The Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah Yusuf, in the depths of that well. So the Mashaikh say, this Hubbul Jah is a very, very deep Jubbul Jah. Person falls into it, he goes very deep down, Allah forbid. And then to come out of it sometimes becomes very difficult. Like Yusuf Islam went into that well, he then jumped into the bucket when somebody was pulling it out. That's the lesson. Now when a person is deep down in the well, he's trying to clamber out of it himself, won't happen. Illa mashallah, 
somebody is a sahib karamat very good mashallah but otherwise when he is deep down in the well he'll need somebody to pull the bucket up he'll need somebody to be drawing that string then with the help of that person he'll be able to come out of that well otherwise this hubbul ja is jubbul ja it's a very deep well there's no steps in that well he'll need help to come out of it so these are the aspects of jahinta and in terms of treating them yes there are some kitabs that can be read as well we discussed about there's a whole section in beshti zawar on akhlaqiyat that too is very very useful in this regard it gives some general principles guidelines but at the end of the day for those finer things for those deeper aspects one will need the guidance of somebody to be able to understand it to be able to get past it likewise the kitab of hazrat rahmatullah alay islahul akhlaq we should read through this then there's a kitab of hazrat mahmudullah khan sahab rahmatullah alay shariat and tasawwuf this is on a more a very deeper level but an excellent kitab in this regard somebody can has the ability to read through that that too is something excellent to read there's a simplified version of this called good character by dr ismail mangira sahab so this has been published many many years ago this is a very simplified version of shariat and tasawwuf so this too is something to read through can read through this also like this there are many other kitabs also that can be read and consulted inshallah we'll find a lot that is there that will help us and nevertheless after all reading all these things the bottom line is nevertheless that for the finer things for the real treatment in the root aspects we will have to take somebody as a guide and take the direction and guidance from them inshallah we'll see the benefit then one question here that is there some specific muraqaba for students of deen muraqabatun khassa litullabil ilm so one is the same muraqaba the muraqaba of ma'iyat because this is what develops the consciousness of allah taala and that is what then transforms that ilm into amal when a person is conscious of allah taala then he'll make amal on that ilm so this is a very essential muraqaba for every person together with this to enhance the zeal of ilm the shukr on the ni'mat of being able to acquire ilm very very deep shukr daily even just for 2 3 minutes by enumerating some of the virtues ya allah you bless me with the opportunity to acquire ilm which you have given such great virtue يَرْفَعُ اللَّهُ يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتٍ Allah, you've blessed the people of ilm with great maqam. So, Allah, you make me one among them. So, one is the muraqaba of ma'iyyad, this is for across the board, and then specifically for, from the part of the shukr, shukr on the bounty of ilm, on the bounty of being able to study and acquire ilm. Then, together with this, the muraqaba that ilm in the hadith sharif nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said ad dunya mal'unatun 
This entire world is accursed. Mal'oonun ma'fiha and everything in it is accursed. And then Nabi Sallallahu excludes some things. Illa alimun aw muta'allimun aw this one third aspect aw mawala what is related to it then? That the exclusion is a person of knowledge or a person who is seeking knowledge or those who are associated with this. So at whichever level now, it doesn't, knowledge doesn't only refer to where a person now has formally enrolled in some madrasa. He is linked himself up to acquire knowledge in an informal manner through associating with those who are imparting deen. Whichever manner of acquiring the knowledge, so now this person is also excluded. But now this to focus on, that this whole mal'oon dunya, Ya Allah, you saved me from it. And you made me a muta'allim. You made me one who is seeking knowledge. This is something of a very, very high level, a very high ni'mat, and a very great ni'mat and bounty. So now to become conscious of this. Otherwise sometimes the person just feels now he's going through the motions, but he doesn't realize what he's been afforded, what opportunity this is. Such a great opportunity. So now to ponder over this. And then in, in general, the virtues of ilm, once in a while, to read through as many virtues, some kitab on the virtues of ilm, to refresh this. So it increases that zeal, that enthusiasm, that this is such a great thing. Allah Ta'ala has enabled me to now acquire this. Allah Ta'ala's great fazal and karam. There's many here which we can't answer now, but there's still some more coming in also. question here is what shall I do when I am trying to do all my amal but the place where I am in the place which I am in there are some wrong taking place openly the aspect is that primarily we have to take care of ourselves and then we have to help others as well this is something that applies to every person in his capacity one of the first part is, what we are obligated to do, we must make sure we, we get that done. So now if there are some things that are happening, some wrongs taking place, blatantly, openly, there will always be some way to work around that and move out of that place for that time, when we want to do our amal. Now for example, a person is in, living in a home, Latala grant tawfiq to all, but now these things do come up sometimes, now somebody became more conscious, now he wants to perform his salah, so he's performing his salah. Now at home, he wants to be making his zikr sometimes, his tilawat sometimes, whatever the amal. But unfortunately, the environment in that home, somebody comes and says that now, from the time I wake up till the time I finally go to sleep, what's blaring in my ears is thumping music. Because now one of the parents, this is their condition, and now they switch it on, and now the whole day this is now carrying on. How do I continue in this kind of environment? Obviously, it's a very big challenge. It is a very big challenge. But now the point is, where the challenges are greater, and the person now takes steps to overcome them, Allah's help comes greater also. And the rewards are greater as well. Now this is a challenge, obviously. The challenge is on many fronts. Now this is just one example which is not hypothetical, unfortunately a real example. 
and this has come on several occasions. So now, the, the challenges are on many fronts. One is, and this is a very delicate matter, that it's a matter from a parent, so regardless of the condition of the parent, and what is done wrong, will be wrong, and we cannot participate in it. But at the same time, we cannot compromise the respect. So now the respect can't be compromised and will not be compromised and will not compromise our deen in that process. So now if there's going to be a clash, for example, there's insistence from a parent that you be part of this. Now what is this? This is something now haram. Now they will take him to some place of haram. They want to go do something else. Whereas involving sin. So now he cannot obey that. Now that, that is a surface disrespect. That's not disrespect in reality. He cannot disobey. He cannot obey that. But he will disobey that with respect. One way of disobeying it is that he starts abusing them, starts shouting at them, starts saying hurtful things. And the other way of disobeying it is refusing and declining it is but, but I can't do this. He's insisting Please, I can't do this, I won't do it. So now, both are doing the same thing, meaning declining what is being pressured upon them, some wrong. Both are not compromising their situation, but there's a world of difference between the two. And the requirement from Shariat is, that when it's a matter of a parent, you are going to respond with respect. When jahada ka'ala an tushrika bi mali salaka bi ilmun, فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا Allah Ta'ala says, don't obey their, their wrong instruction. They, they're demanding you commit shirk. Don't obey that. But you treat them kindly. In the same ayat, side by side, not even a pause. In the same breath as you may call it. In terms of our recitation. That in our recitation, this comes in the same breath. You don't even pause on it. That on the one side Allah is saying, don't obey that haram, don't obey that wrong. But at the same time, Allah is saying, treat them kindly in the world. So in declining this too, you're going to do it kindly. You cannot do it abruptly. You cannot do it rudely. Now that's a challenge. It's a big challenge. But the issue that we have to always bear in mind, that we are obligated to do what Allah has given us the command. And the command Allah has given us is to be respectful to them. Their matter is now between them and Allah Ta'ala. They are doing something wrong. We will advise in a nice way with respect how we can. We may not be a direct advice. It might be an indirect sometimes. The ideal is we start off talim in the home. That is in fact essential. We should try to get that going. And we don't insist on anyone. We get it started and we keep it going consistently. And inshallah, summa inshallah, we will see how this will gradually melt the hearts. Somebody might not be participating, but somewhere down the line they'll be eavesdropping. Are you reading it aloud? People were reading it to themselves aloud because nobody wanted to join. But somebody was eavesdropping too. After a while they became curious to just know what was going on, what this person reading. And that grabbed the heart. And that became the means of transformation. So now the talim itself 
has tremendous noor, brings down barakat. So now even if nobody is participating, that noor is coming into that, that barakat will come. Unfortunately, something is happening which are now outweighing the barakat, that doesn't matter, but the barakat will come to a point. Now we be consistent in this. So now sometimes, if it's something with respect, in a more formal way or direct way, but with respect, and sometimes it will be indirect, and more effective would be the talim. So we'll do that. But eventually, their matter is with Allah Ta'ala. We cannot cross our line. We cannot cross our line. Their matter is with Allah Ta'ala. So that is one challenge. Now the other challenge is what was asked here is now in this kind of setup, this kind of environment, how do I get to do my amal? Now this is where it requires now one to apply his mind. Now for example, in this situation now, that music is playing all the time. Now generally the advice is to keep far away from all these devices. But now when it becomes a need of this nature, then the person is advised to use it. Now, for example, stick those earphones in your ears now. Not for the wrong purpose now, now for this good purpose. Stick those ear- earphones in your ears and put on some zikr, some bayan, whatever. And you'll have to listen to that. Keep this out of... If you're playing nothing also, but keep your ears blocked. When Rasulullah in a distance heard some, sh- uh, some shepherd was suddenly playing some flute, he put his ears into his, his fingers into his Mubarak ears and blocked off the sound. It's a challenge. There's a mujahada involved. It's obviously a mujahada. And if it becomes necessary now, you'll maximize your time outside the house for the right purposes. You'll have to come home eventually. But you'll do your amal in the masjid. You'll try to work around the situation. So it is definitely a challenge. There's definitely mujahada involved. But al-mushahada biqadri al-mujahada. The extent that a person finally Allah Ta'ala opens out to him is to the extent of his mujahada. So, and when a person has tried something that doesn't seem to work, that's the need now to have somebody as a guide. So now he'll guide him through the process. Okay, you try this now. This didn't work. Okay, you do this. Somewhere something inshallah will click. And this will come with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala. Because he's trying, he's trying again, he's trying again. So somewhere, some advice will come, Allah will inspire that advice. That advice will come into the heart of the person advising him, that might never have crossed his mind before. That might have never ever, he himself will probably be amazed at what a simple solution this was, how he didn't think about it. But why he thought about it now, it was the barakat of the talab of the person asking. The barakat of the talab of the person looking for that solution. And he's mujahada now. He's asked one time, two times, five times. And he's looking for one solution after the other. The barakat of his sincerity, of his talab, Allah will inspire the heart of who's advising him. And that solution will come to him. It comes the giver is Allah alone. Everything else and everybody else is a means only. Allah will grant on the talab of a person. So, this is what's to be done. Obviously, a lot of dua. And in such places... Also, while this is on the one side happening, one should close himself in his room, close his ears off, and engage in a lot of zikr in such places. Inshallah, the barakat of that zikr will dispel the darkness of all these things. So the talim, the zikr, then there are times when everybody is going to be fast asleep, 
That's the time to wake up and to turn to Allah Ta'ala. And to beg from Allah Ta'ala for the hidayat of all. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq inshaAllah. There are many other questions here which obviously now is difficult. So you can take the email address of any of the Oromav and then inshaAllah those answers, especially the tricky questions, will be responded to. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala accept our coming. Allah Ta'ala grant all of us the tawfiq to continue with the amal that we've done and whatever we've discussed, whatever we've revised, inshallah we keep up with this as well.